Hey, what up, what up, what up? It is Bobby Corella here. This is Numbers on the Boards. Before we get rolling with Skin and Me, I just wanted to say, yes, I know it's Monday, but we decided, you know what? Mavs are winning some games. Saturday night was pretty fun, so let's do it big. So Skin and I recorded on Monday. Mike and Jake recorded on Monday. So that's two podcasts in one day. It's enough to get you through the rest of the week, along with Lizelle and Katia's Just Between Us Girls. That is still coming out tomorrow, so Tuesday. So be sure to check that one out as well. It's Thanksgiving week. We know you'll be traveling. You'll be all over the country, hopefully enjoying some good times with your friends and your family. So definitely, if you have not already, go and listen to The Four Pointer with Mike and Jake. That's coming out to you every Monday. It is a great podcast. Again, Lizelle and Kat will be with you tomorrow. Uh, Mavs play the Memphis Grizzlies tonight at 7 o'clock, and then Wednesday night, come back home and take on the Brooklyn Nets the day before Thanksgiving. So it's a big week of Mavs basketball ahead of us. So stay tuned and watch all their games throughout the holidays. we got Boston coming in town on Saturday too, so that'll be pretty fun. So in the meantime, sit back, relax, enjoy you some, uh, some adult beverage or some coffee or some water, whatever it is that you're drinking, whatever it is that you're eating. So wherever you are, wherever you may be listening, whoever you may be with, enjoy Mavs basketball. Enjoy the holidays. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Let's go. It's Thanksgiving week. You might notice it's Monday, not Wednesday, but it is still numbers on the boards. I'm Bobby. He's skin. Hello. How you doing, Skin? I'm great, man. This is uh, this is one of my favorite weeks of the year. Uh, it's a short work week. I actually prefer Thanksgiving to Christmas. Uh, there's always great basketball games going on. It just it even like when you're working, it feels like it's kind of like half-ass party working. Oh yeah. Uh, so man, I love this week. I'm very very excited. I love the direction of the Dallas Mavericks right now, and I'm just in general in good spirits. Yeah, we're in such good spirits that we're bringing you this bad boy early. So two days early. Normally this uh, this year podcast comes out every Wednesday, but we're releasing it today on Monday because we know y'all are probably flying to your in-laws. Right. You might be on a road trip. Right. Uh, you might not be at work. You might be mobile right now. So we just decided, hey, let's let's gift you. Uh, instead of cooking turkey for every single one of you, because I'm not that good of a cook, and uh-huh. also my kitchen is really small. Right. I don't know what you're working with, but my kitchen is really tiny. I'm go- we've got a good-sized kitchen because I'm an old man, but I'm gonna we're going to double turkey. Like, my wife's going to do a turkey, and then I'm going to do one outside on the big green egg. Are you doing two different styles of, of turkey, or how's well, that going? I, yeah, so whatever she does indoors, I don't know what that is, but, the, but on the big green egg, you're smoking that. Oh, boy. okay. I've yeah. never had – well, I've had smoked turkey, like, at – restaurants but right. i've never had like a home cooked i've also never had fried turkey before either. oh fried turkey is insanely good yeah uh you know how some people complain about dry bird yeah uh if you fry a turkey that thing juicy Ooh. so is it like are you eating it like you would fried chicken i mean is it like no, a turkey breast a turkey leg a turkey thigh i mean what yeah no no i you know i've only had it sliced so i'm assuming that's part of the breast but um it's not like uh, it's not like the texture of fried chicken. Okay. It's it doesn't it, at least I've never had it to where it comes out it's like. It's not that. like the crispy skin with the breading and stuff. Right, because you don't do all the you just take the turkey and you dip it in the fryer as opposed to doing all the you know the okay. breading. So is it like it's pre-cooked beforehand this turkey mm-hmm. and then you just dip it or does nah, it cook I don't think in the so. fryer? I think I think you just take like a normal bird from the grocery store and dip that hoe. 
with the feathers and everything? Well, no, no, no. You, okay. You, you definitely buy one for, yeah. Okay. You don't so. go out back, grab a turkey and stuff yeah. in a fryer. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't I'm, know. Some of you folks uh, might. We this don't. Is, we live in the woods down yeah. here. It's, it's <laughs> Texas. Uh, yeah, so we are. Take the uh, head off, Paul. Yeah, so we're uh, while you're cooking your turkey, you can listen to us talk about turkey. And uh, if you want to send a fried turkey, go ahead and uh, mail that to 1333 North Stimmons Freeway. That's the Mavs. Uh, office it's the building with the logo on it it is impossible to miss especially at night uh and you and i can chow down on some turkey i'm in i love turkey i, I think it's uh i think it's underrated i know a lot of people think it's dry i love turkey i'm yep. in. yeah turkey's good gravy's good thanksgiving is good do you guys call it stuffing or dressing uh ooh, stuffing okay yeah, yeah i yeah. think we do too is dressing a southern thing or is stuffing a su- is that know, a regional man. you know how there'll be like maps of the u.s some people say yeah. soda some say pop you know some people are like no 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 dressing is wet and i'm like really i don't i don't know Ew. i don't know but uh but we we call it stuffing yeah stuffing and do you guys uh, do brown gravy white gravy or giblet gravy what is giblet gravy giblet gravy is like a real runny and it's got like in our house or my family growing up that had like a uh, little chunks of egg in it Oh, and it's like okay. this real runny kind huh. of thin gravy. No, we're usually we're usually brown gravy when it comes to gravy. turkey. Yeah, oh, brown, gravy. brown gravy. Now I will say, if I'm having like mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. and it's not turkey, because with turkey you got to have brown gravy with turkey. I think white gravy is like weird. With yeah, turkey. I'm a. I that's the way I am. Yeah, too. but if I'm having like uh, chicken fried chicken, chicken uh-huh. fried steak, uh-huh. mashed potatoes, I'm I'm definitely white gravy. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. But brown gravy with turkey is. I yep. made the okay. And I love I love brown gravy with mashed potatoes. Yeah, brown gravy yeah. with mashed potatoes yeah. is good, but yeah. I, I just, you know, chicken fried chicken with white gravy is probably my my go to. If I'm at the Black Eyed Pea or any other uh, home style place, automatically I'm not even looking at the rest of the menu. Chicken fried chicken, give me some of that. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Uh, so Thanksgiving, good holiday. The Dallas Mavericks skin uh, apparently are a pretty good team. Ha-ho. So since I'm trying to think, when did we record at the greatness that was? Uh, Offsite or kitchen? that is offsite kitchen. Was that after the Knicks game? That was uh, that was yes, two and seven. Yes, right? that was the that was the, the the downer down. That was the day before they played the Wizards. Right. So since we went to offsite kitchen, the Mavs are what five and one. Yes. I'm not going to say that there's a correlation, but shout out those burgers. Yeah, they're connected. Yeah, you eat a peanut butter and jelly burger, and the Mavs are going to win five out of six. Right. Um, most recently, so we can talk about the things that have been going well over the last six games, but most recently, first, obviously, today's Monday, most recent game, got your win over the Warriors. What happened in that game? Why did the Mavs win? Uh, the Mavs won because the second unit got them back into it in the second half after struggling in the first half. Like, isn't it weird that the Golden State bench destroyed our bench in the first half? Yeah, Damian Lee and Quinn Cook out here just lighting them up, man. Yeah. I mean, Damian Lee was going full, you know, J.R. Smith out there. It was nuts. Kind of Gerald Greenish. Yeah. Um, but then the that there, there was a stretch. I think the biggest, you know, a lot of people are pointing to the, uh, the Dennis bounce pass and transition to Dorian layup is the moment. That was the go-ahead bucket. For me, the moment was when they were down eight. And uh, Dorian Finney-Smith hit that corner three. And that, that was a huge – they needed that so bad. And that was such a momentum shift. Um, that was a really, really big shot. And then if I remember correctly, Dorian had a pass for a three, had an assist for a three. It's all kind of jumbling up in my mind here. But when they got down to eight, and, uh, and Harp had kind of mentioned this, that second unit 
looked like they were starting to get tired, and then, man, they, they, they grinded and got back in it, and then, you know, we know how it went down the stretch. The, the unsung hero of that game, even though offensively his numbers were great, but I don't know that enough people are talking about the defensive job Harrison Barnes did on Kevin Durant. I was pretty confident going into that game that Dorian would cover Clay because I thought Dorian was more adept to run through all those screens that you have to run through. Because, um, I mean, logically, if you go, well, one-on-one, Dorian should match up with KD. But it's just with Clay, you got to run through all those screens. I don't think Harrison wants to do all that. Yep. So Barnes found himself on Durant Island. And, man, he did a, the best job that you could do in making it difficult for what I think and what most people think is the best score in the NBA. Yeah, it's not an easy assignment going up against KD. Because no. even so, like, in the first half, KD was just lighting Barnes up. And I felt bad for Harrison because – it's not. There were a couple plays where Katie just beat him straight up, like dribbled around him and dunked it or whatever. Right. But then all of these other shots are like fourteen foot, hand in his face, contested fadeaways, and he just goes. He just rises up because he's seven feet and right. just scores on you. And you can't do much more than that. Nope. But I think after the game, Harrison's quote was something like, "You just got to make it tough on him, and hopefully, then in the fourth quarter, it kind of catches up to him." And I was so happy. Harrison obviously had a terrible foul in the backcourt, uh, and I'm so happy that that did not hurt them. Yeah, because I was came close to because him. he had such an amazing. game game up to that and I was like god don't end this way for that dude yeah uh because you know he wants that game yeah I mean that game means a lot to him especially and, against KD man yes. I mean because that's the guy that he was replaced with you know we can get into all this we never really got into all the Golden State drama because we didn't have time by the way I watched you know Golden State lose to San Antonio last night they're struggling yeah they got swept on the Texas trip Steph is pretty important I think he's pretty damn important yeah and uh you know the whole thing's important but what people what people lose sight of you know, as Draymond said, hey, we won before you, we'll win without you. Well, if KD were to leave, there's no replacing him. So it's not you're bringing back Bogut and Harrison Barnes, two starters, right? You're not it's, – it's, they're severely crippled if KD just walks. Will they be good? Of course they'll be good. They'll be really good. They'll have Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green. But, man, they will be – there was a Kevin Pelton article last week that said if you took – the guys that are under contract and Clay Thompson comes back and just remove Kevin Durant with what they have on the books, you assume they can't bring Boogie back because they won't have the money, uh, that that team is basically, based on statistical models, it's like the fourth, third or fourth best team in the West. Man, and it's only going to, as the years go on, it's right. only going to, you know, because Draymond's 30, 29. I don't know how old he is, but he's one year away from being free, right? Yeah, it's Steph, Clay this summer and Draymond yeah, the Yeah, and Steph is 30, 31. And Do you know what Draymond's numbers are this year? Did you look at him last Saturday? I know his shooting numbers are not very good. Do you know what his averages are? Uh, I, I, it, six points, maybe? Just, well, go across the board. Whatever, don't look it up. Okay, what are his points, rebounds, up. and assists? I'm going to say he's averaging six points. Uh-huh. I'm going to say he's averaging eight rebounds. I'm going to say he's averaging five assists. It's seven, seven, and seven. Wow. Those are his numbers. <laughs> Man, that's crazy, right? Yeah. Now, I'm not trying to diminish the value of Draymond Green, but if you look at that and go, what? Seven, seven, and seven, huh? Yeah. That's, that looks like a Lonzo Ball line. Yeah. And, I mean, Draymond, obviously, on defense is really important. Of course. But, but man, as – and I'm not trying to foretell the end of their dynasty or anything because those guys are really good, and it's unfair to say that they're going to suck soon. But if Draymond loses a step, all of a sudden his fouls that definitely are fouls but don't get called, Uh he's going to be a a hair late, and they are going to be called. And all of a sudden that – because right now he's probably the best defender in the league at just going vertical and just – 
bodying people and not getting called for it. Yeah. But he, if he's not jumping as high and he's going to have to reach, he's going to foul out like every game. <laughs> so here he he's so uh I always applied what Hubie Brown. So uh many years ago the Mavericks were playing the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round of the playoffs. This is back when the Grizzlies had Pau Gasol. And ESPN was doing the game. And so Hubie Brown was there. Have you ever talked to Hubie Brown before? Not personally, no. It's religious. Like it's so great. Uh cuz Hubie unfiltered, you know, he's He's cussing, and it's just he's the East Coast guy, and he's just so brilliant. And so we were talking. Uh, I was with Ben, and we were talking to Hubie Brown about an hour before tip. We're like, hey, man, what's the key to this series? What do you think Hubie Brown said was the key to the series or the key to that game that night? It's the first thing out of his mouth. Well, the obvious answer is get Dirk the ball. Okay, that's a good answer, right? Maybe defense. Well, the first thing I do is I look at who the officials are. <laughs> it's the first thing out of his mouth. <laughs> He goes, and then you kind of got to adjust to those guys. And he's like, so remember, he coached Memphis. Yeah. He's the one who pulled Memphis originally out of the funk. Jerry West came in there, took over, was like, we need to teach these guys culture. So they brought in Hubie Brown. So what did Hubie Brown do? Hubie Brown played 10 guys, and all 10 of those guys played about 22 to 23 minutes a night. And they picked up full court, and they beat the crap out of you. And if you were playing Memphis, you'd go, that's a foul. That's a foul. That's a foul. And you're sitting there the whole game going, that's a foul. And you're upset, right? Well, here's what Hubie said. So my first year at Memphis, I spent that year teaching the officials how to officiate my team. <laughs> and I'm going, what? And so this gets back at the core thing of, no, no, no. Officials call the call. No, they don't. Mm. Officials are people, and they are conditioned like all people are conditioned. And what Hubie Brown said was he conditioned the officials to officiate his games differently than they did other teams. And so it's like when my guy is picking you up at midcourt and sticking a forearm in your that's, – that's, that's legal in my games. Mm. And, the, and it's like, well, how does that work? Well, you just do it, and you do it, and you do it, and no ref is going to call a foul every five seconds. Yep. So he's saying, I condition them. You know who else did that? Jerry Sloan did that. That's why if you went and look, it's like, how is Utah always like the same, no matter who their personnel is, it's the same number of fouls called for them and against them? How is that possible? It's because the refs viewed that style and what they did, they were conditioned to call it that way, right? Mm. So I'm going somewhere with this. Draymond Green spent the first season, really two seasons, because remember his first season he didn't play that much. He was sort of like a goon to go beat up Blake Griffin or whatever. Yeah, his Draymond, job was literally to foul people. Draymond Green spent the first two seasons of his NBA career conditioning the officials how to officiate him individually. So when you see them playing Memphis and Mark Gasol, who's an elite player and way bigger than Draymond Green, turn around and shoot a turnaround jump shot over Draymond Green, and he's going up underneath them and shoving his knee into his leg and moving this much bigger player, and they're not calling it. Draymond Green has spent two years of fish teaching officials, no, that's not a foul. I play physical. So that wears down over time. Over time, to your point, it's going to look worse. Which one thing when you're doing it when you're 24 and 25, but is your athletic ability, and he's not a good athlete compared to other guys, starts to decline, I would contend that those Draymond plays are going to start to be called differently. And on top of that, he's not anybody's friend. Yep. You know, officials only want to put up with so much. The guy got tossed from an NBA Finals. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going full circle on that to saying I think the Draymond thing – will not play out well over time. Mm -hmm. I think it's sort of 
peaked with the effectiveness. He's still going to be a really good player, and he mm-hmm. does a lot of amazing things. But, yes, as you're trying to figure out where that team is going, paying a ton of money to Draymond Green probably is not the best. Yeah, goal. well, and as Steph ages and as Clay approaches 30, if not passes 30, those guys are going to get a little slower too, so their guys are going to beat him a little more, which means Draymond's going to have to cover even more ground, and it's all just this kind of this mix of issues that's going Be- to present people themselves. People have undersold the Draymond Green-Kevin Durant defensive combo. It's elite. Those yeah. two guys together. KD is really, really good at defense now, and yeah. it, I don't remember him playing that way in OKC. No, I, and I don't know that he was – asked i'm not yeah. taking a shot at a coach or i mean he's surrounded by abaca robert i mean they've always yeah. had really good defenders around him so right. that's fair on our team you're a shot blocker i'm gonna go body the guy you better come clean up the mess mm. yeah. so that's that's how it's evolved yeah absolutely and that's why i mean golden state looked pretty unbeatable last year and the year before and the year before and the year before this year whenever they're healthy they're probably going to be pretty unbeatable mm-hmm. but next year who knows the year after that i don't know and the year after that there's even there's no telling you know so that's why whenever uh, I think it might have even been Cuban who came out uh, last year or the year before and said we're just one sprained ankle away you just got to stay within striking distance because right you never know whenever whenever something whenever a castle wall will fall down right basically. right you, you got to be ready to go and yes. uh, have you ever heard the Donnie Nelson analogy no about well, a, maybe uh, no, the NASCAR not. no every season is like a NASCAR race you start going around the track, going around the track, and as the race evolves, some guys fall out because their car's falling apart or whatever. And when you come into the pit stop, you got to figure out what you got to do to your car to keep it in the race. And it's just an endurance test because you really can't predict whose car is going to fall out of the race. So mm-hmm. you just do what you do, and you grind, and you stay with it, and you put the best car together that you could possibly put together, and you drive that bad boy. And then there may be an opportunity late in the race to seize momentum and do something and go win yeah and that that's a good analogy for a season but it's also a good analogy just for team building I mean if you're thinking like it's the end of the 2016 season your team just won 42 games and and got gentlemen swept by OKC in the first round should we keep going with these guys or should we get a little younger right and uh, the Mavs chose a good time to get young because right. no one was beating Golden State last year no one was beating them the year before and uh, maybe by next year, whenever someone's finally ready to take them down, maybe the Mavs are, uh, are up to the challenge. Who knows? And I think they had their eye on this draft the entire time trying to see if they could get Luka, and it worked out. Yeah, it did, man. He good. Still can't believe they got him. Uh, I still he, can't believe how good he is. This yeah, did me you, neither. Did you see this? No, I mean, not the, not the stats. No. Right. I thought that he would be very good. Right. I thought I, but my definition of very good was like 14 points, five rebounds, five assists. I didn't think he would be scoring like he is. No, and it's so easy, too. I mean, yeah. he, he makes difficult shots. He has to kind of work hard to get a shot off. But, like, that, that finish over Eurepko at the very end of the game was the wrong just – That was clinical, dude. That's a, that's a between-the-legs crossover wrong foot running floater. I'm not going to tell you which guy in the organization said this, but a guy after the game said at the end of the game, they went to Clay and Durant, we went to Luka, and we won. Yeah. Oh, my God. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. And that is – that sometimes is – that. so last season the Mavs went 12-38 and 38 in the clutch, and some of those losses were not really close games that they made close at the end. Some of those losses were let's pull our starters with six minutes left in the game. But a lot of the games that were really contested where you had your starters on the floor, they had their starters on the floor, the other team won most of those. Sometimes the difference is not coaching – Sometimes it's not schemes. Sometimes it's not anything more than who is the best player on the floor. Right. 
And now, all of a sudden, the Mavs kind of have one of those guys who most nights, it's a toss-up. At, at worst, it's a toss-up. I think, I think offensively, he's already that. There's, and there's enough guys. Like, so when we did uh, – the first preseason game we did was against the Beijing Ducks. And uh, Coop did that game with us because Followell was calling college football. And I hadn't talked to Harp in months. You know, sometimes we'll get together and play golf in the offseason or whatever. I'll catch up with him. I'll see him somewhere. But I hadn't talked to him Who's in a while. Who's better at golfing, you or Harp? Oh, Harp's better than – Harp is better than me at every conceivable thing really? a human can do. Right. Really? There's not one thing in the world that I can do better than Harp. You're pretty good on this podcast, Ken. He would destroy know. me on this oh. podcast. It wouldn't even be close. But, um, but I could just tell – like, I know Harp really well now. Uh, you know, we've been doing this together for eight years or whatever it is. Um, and so I can just tell by his expressions and I can tell by his reactions to things and how he says things both on and off the air, how he feels. And it was like very obvious in the first three minutes of seeing Hart for the first time in months that he was way sold on Luca as a grown ass man. Yep. Like it was obvious. Mm. And uh, I think a lot of the older heads are, you know, little reluctant on these young guys, man, there was no hesitation with him at all. Yeah, and I mean, I, now I don't know this about Hart, but I'm assuming he's not sitting at home watching Real Madrid highlights either. I mean, he probably oh, he so. probably hadn't seen very much of Lucas. So he, for that he, to be his first reaction is really impressive. Yeah, and he, you know, Harp talks to a ton of people. And he also, you know, he does NBA TV stuff during the summer, summer league stuff, and he'll go and do set stuff. I think, uh, you know, he'd done a bunch of – set previews I think it was him and Fratello and I can't remember who the anchor was maybe it was Greenberg I can't remember but um but anyways they were uh you know talking about different trends and different things and and so I think he had talked to enough people they were like hey man you need to see this kid but the second he saw him he was like oh yeah yeah you can just tell I mean a lot of times those guys can just it's like it's the the old rap lingo of game recognized game mm. it's like you if you've if you've been in those situations like Harp has and you've been around alphas and you've been in all those, like you can just, oh, okay, that guy's one of us. Yeah. And uh, they knew it. And it was one thing to see it on the home opener whenever they're playing Minnesota and down the stretch, Lucas posting up Derrick Rose and he scored, you know, probably six or eight points in the fourth quarter. They won that game. That was cool. But whenever you do that against the Warriors, it means a little more, man. It just know, means a little know, more. You know what we didn't talk about on that Jarebko shot is uh, Luca forcing the switch. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. Because Drebko was covering Dorian. He was covering Finney Smith, yeah. And, and Luca motioned for Dorian to come over, and Dorian hesitated, like, wait, are, do you want to clear out? And he's like, get over here. Yeah. And then they forced the switch immediately because Luca didn't want to shoot an outside shot. He wanted to work Drebko and get to the bucket. Yeah, dude, and that was off a missed shot, I believe. Or no, it was, it was a Iguodala, Iguodala, Iguodala made a dunk or something. I, I forget what happened, but it was uh, maybe Iguodala made a dunk. Okay. Or, I don't know, I can't remember. Let who me, could remember let me the past? Up. Yeah, who could even, how could anyone even know about this? Uh, so, Luca made your little drive, it's characterized as a driving, floating jump shot. Off the wrong leg. Off the wrong leg, uh, immediately after Iguodala dunked. So, it's not a stoppage of play, it's not a timeout, it's nothing, it is Iguodala dunked. It was a very disheartening play, by the way. Because was that they, the transition dunk where we didn't no, get they, back? No, they double-teamed Durant at the, at the oh, free throw line. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That play illustrates, as if you remember that play, Katie has the ball. He's ISOing on. Maybe it wasn't Luka because Luka was guarding Iguodala. But he, maybe, was he at the elbow? He, yeah, he was at the elbow. Yeah. And uh, you double-teamed someone in the middle of the floor. Yep. 
it's impossible to do that without right. leaving someone open. That's why the Mavs put Dirk at the nail all right. those years because you're on an island or you get an open shot. Do you want to explain to people what the nail is? Uh, the nail. So if you've ever been on a basketball court and you're about to shoot a free throw, if you look down while you're at the free throw line, you'll see just a little tiny dot right in the middle of the free throw line. So from, uh, from the one edge of the paint to the other, you put a dot right in the middle of the floor. It looks like a little tiny nail. In fact, it probably just is a nail. Mm -hmm. But basically, it's the indication that if you're straddling this nail, you are directly in line with the rim. So the, the nail is in the middle of the rim. So uh, Dirk, his go-to play, bread and butter, for, I don't know, probably 10 years, was I'm going to try and get a switch or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get a favorable matchup. I'm going to park my butt at the nail. You will give me the ball, Jason Kidd or J.J. Barea, Jet Terry, whoever you are, and get out of the way. Go spot up right. because you're right in the middle of the floor. It is impossible to send a second defender at him. Why did Golden State beat the Mavs in 2007? Because Dirk was posting up on the baseline where it's easy to send a double team. Right. And it's very difficult to move the ball out of that without turning it over, basically. And so Carlisle comes here, says, I'm not doing that. I'm putting Dirk in the middle of the floor because it is unguardable. And uh, you win a championship within three years. Yeah, and the other thing, you'll hear people talk about the nail a lot for help defense. Yeah. You know, that's like a, a way, okay, you're going you're gonna to sink down to the nail and then you're going to go when the ball's, you know, past here or whatever. It's just easy terminology for a coach to explain mm. where he wants a guy positioned. Yeah, so when Katie had the ball at the nail, I think he took one dribble to the elbow and whenever he started dribbling, Dennis or, uh, Dennis or Luca, whoever was guarding Iguodala, came toward him thinking he'd rise for a shot and, you know, Iguodala cut, cuts down to the block yep. and basically gets I'm a, remembering a now. dunk. Yep. Yeah. So then, you know, Luka gets the ball, brings it up the floor. I think he did bring it up the floor. Um, they may have actually gotten an offensive rebound out of that. I, I want to say that like it was a, a reset. Yeah. I thought it was a reset. Yeah, I think it was, actually. Um, yeah, because Luka might have even missed the first shot. But anyway, whatever happened, we should have gone back and rewatched the game. Nah, we're whatever, good. Yeah, whatever happened, Luka gets the ball, calls Finney Smith over. And, you know, b before that, uh, in that same quarter, Luca waved someone off. They mm -hmm. were they were trying to get a play, and Luca was like, "No, nah, I'm good. Like, get I out got of here. this. Get out of here." Yeah. So yeah. he's uh, he's he's starting to call some offense, man. And for a 19 year old to do that is pretty crazy. Do you like him saying, "I don't get nervous"? Yeah, that was that's a pretty badass quote. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. And it's, I've said this many times. I'm gonna keep going back to it because I love stealing stuff from awesome people. Uh, first got this from Michael Young of the Rangers. Slow heartbeat. Yeah, dude. You don't. The, 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 the heart rate doesn't change because the moment is more intense. He's got the same pulse going the whole time, and so he never freaks out. And as Luke said, I don't get nervous. Just And the, it was the way he said it, too. It wasn't like a – he's not, like, sticking his chest out saying, I don't get scared. He's just like, I don't get nervous. As a matter of fact. Yeah. It was just so, like, yeah, I, I put on two shoes in the morning. Yep. I'm not nervous when I take big shots against the two-time defending champs. And that's basically we went in this big, giant circle to get back to the original point of that's what Harp saw pretty much immediately. Yeah. He's not a kid. Good players know, man. Yep. It's crazy. Do you so, know where you want to get really excited? What's Want to that? get our listeners really excited? Yeah. Part of that and his age and his contract is going to make Dallas a very great destination. You know, I know people are tired of hearing that. Oh, we never got a big blah, blah. And really – the they never got the quote unquote big fish, but if you look at big fish changing teams, it wasn't that frequent and there's not that many teams that they would go to. The Mavericks did pretty good in free agency. Yeah. If you look you know, I know people don't like Chandler Parsons around here, but he got hurt. 
but that was a good get. Monte Ellis at the price they got was a good get. They, they've been able to do some things, uh, and then they've also been able to uh, reclaim some players. And obviously Harrison Barnes wanted to come here. He wouldn't have done a sign-in trade. Mm. So there are uh, – DeAndre and Wes, and say what you want about those guys, but, yeah. I mean, they've been productive starters. Absolutely. So it's just it hasn't been, hey, we didn't get LeBron. Well, guess what? 28 others didn't get LeBron. So um, – but anyways, I think that the Mavericks probably feel like that's going to change. Yeah. Well, and two, I mean, in today's era where it seems like basically you're a max player or you're a minimum player, that's there's not a lot of in-between. Well, Luca and Dennis combined make like $15 million a year for the next three years. I think people are going to freak out when they see what our uh, cap sheet looks like this summer. Yeah. It really all comes down to does Dwight opt in at a very reasonable contract and does Harrison opt in at a very reasonable contract for how he's producing? Mm. And then you look at it and you go, oh, now I've only got room for two superstars. Yeah. Well, and it's tough too because you got Maxi and you got uh, Dorian, both of them restricted free agents. But, you know, that's you can cross that bridge whenever right. come to it. For now, I want to keep both of those guys long term. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, one of I them is twenty five. One of them is twenty six. Yeah, so, dude, I love bad. Dorian. Yeah, he. Yeah. I, I love that player. I love the kid. I love what he's doing. He's such a good dude. Did I tell you that Dirk on our broadcast said that Dorian has a chance to be the best three and D guy? I think he said one of the best three and D guys in the NBA. Wow. And Dirk doesn't throw out praise. He, no. but he's in the gym with him and has watched him. Yeah. And has seen what he has done. I think. You know, people have a tendency to stereotype undrafted guys. And then, uh, but the Mavericks, I know the Mavericks were very much considering drafting him with that second round pick that they used on Hammonds. He was very much in play there. I know that for a fact. Um, and, you know, probably, you know, the reason he slipped in the draft because he was an older guy compared to other 20 year olds or 19 year olds or whatever. But he missed a season. I mean, dude, last year was a washout for him. Mm. So I just think that probably kind of tainted things in a lot of people's minds about what kind of player he is but he started games as a as an undrafted rookie the Mavericks have no uh reservations using him in any situation and him living up to the moment and, and him, that was evident down the stretch against Golden State yeah where you're playing Clay Thompson right I mean no pressure kid right and but, take shots if you're open and hit free throws if you're open and catch a bounce pass in transition and finish to take the lead that play took okay so that was an amazing play by Dorian to to catch that pass in stride and finish yep. in traffic basically yep. with contact. But so Dennis had sat on the bench. That play happened with probably what two minutes left in the game. Sounds about 150. right. Yeah, it sounds about right. Dennis had sat on the bench from about six minutes left in the third quarter until about one possession before that play. Because JJ was going. And yeah, and basically Dennis comes in and that's almost his first touch. It was off a rebound. Dennis gets a, a really nice rebound in a in a game where the Mavs were struggling to get defensive rebounds. Yes. Dennis pulled that one down from the sky took one or two dribbles and fired a bounce pass through one or two defenders to Dorian on the money. I mean, that was – that's that's cojones. We are at the Mavs uh, offices next to the practice facility, and when I come here, I usually go in there and get coffee. And I was in there, and some people were talking to like, what are you here for? And I was like, ah, I'm doing the podcast with Bobby. What are you guys going to talk about? And I was like, well, I'll figure it out when I see Bobby. You know, we usually just start talking. I was like, really? It's not scripted? It's like, no, we just start talking basketball. And you and I have not really determined what we were going to talk about. Mm. And it's starting to go where it needs to go. Do we need to talk about the improvement of Dennis from a fit standpoint during this six-game stretch? Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're there. I think it all begins – with him doing a better job defensively and all that other stuff falls into place. Yes. How do you feel about this? So he was uh, he was mostly guarding Iguodala. Their starting lineup is so weird without so, Steph, by the way. I thought that guys. they'd start Quinn Cook. But anyway, it was Iguodala. So Dennis 
Right. Here you go. You're guarding Andre Iguodala. And he's 6'7". <laughs> yeah. And, or 6'6", uh, or whatever. And so their last two games, Warriors, Jazz. Dennis picked up Rubio. He picked up Iguodala at the free throw line after made basket. He's picking them up full court. And how many times, if, if you've listened to, to Rick post-game press conferences or see quotes that he gives pre-game or in practice, whatever, whenever he talks about other guys' players, uh, he will mention, if you ask him about a point guard, Quinn Cook, for example, last night before the Warriors game, I think it was Followell asked him, like, what do you think about the way he's played? He used to be on, on your team. And one of the first things Rick said, yeah, I love him. He's great. He picks up guys full court. He just casually he'll throw that out. Right. And that's – Rick is – a mind game king that's his way of signaling like i appreciate when point guards pick up other point guards full court right dennis has done that the last two games and they've won surprise surprise yeah now it does take more effort to do that yes it takes a whole lot more energy because instead of playing defense for 40 feet you're playing defense for 80 feet right and uh a lot of times you get beat you got to sprint to catch up whenever a guy beats you full court the but dennis has been doing he's been playing he's been playing out of his mind defensively even though it doesn't show up he's not getting steals he's not getting blocks Barely getting any rebounds, but knocking timing off on opposing offenses is so so important. Absolutely, you, just, you get them across court with 18 seconds left instead of 21 seconds left, and that makes all the difference in the world. We talk about that all the time with the Mavs pace 21. Right, right. you want to get it across. If you're preventing the opponent from doing that too, yep. then you've already won. By the way, steals and blocks are cool. I think they're overrated stats yep. in terms of evaluating defense. And I know people throw them out there. I know that's not what you were doing. Mm. Um, but I know that most people go, well, let me look at steals and blocks. Steals are generally a result of gambling. And what you don't see on steals is all the plays that were given up as you didn't get the steal. Blocks obviously matter. Um, and all that matters. Steals can lead to transition points and all these kinds of things. I'm not diminishing them. But they're not the you know, be-all, end-all representation of defensive stats. It's really more about opponent field goal percentage. and, and It's about the shots that they don't take. Exactly. Really, that's what defense is. Right. And so, you know, from a tangible standpoint, you know, I don't know what stats we're going to throw at you about Dennis, but it's just been clearly evident that they've been more tied together defensively. Dennis has been saying the right things. And I think people lose sight of the fact that you're asking, uh, has he turned 21 yet? When's his birthday? Uh, he turns 21, I believe, this week. So okay. happy birthday, Dennis. He's, he's, he's a young guy, but he's also being constantly asked to do things he hasn't done before. And so you got to give the, the guy time to grow. And I feel like we're watching it. And he's becoming a better complimentary player to the guys that are here and doing the things he needs to do for the team to be successful as opposed to, hey, Dennis, lottery pick, what are your stats? Where, let me see oh, about the missed dunk Saturday. Oh, my God. You know what's good about that? He didn't give up on the play. Yeah. He forced the jump ball. Yeah. Crappy to miss a dunk. That was, that was really cool, honestly, yeah. whenever he did that. So he, he ran down because that rebound bounced almost to the broadcast table. Yes. I thought you were about to catch it. Dorian made a, a diving play to keep it alive, and then Dennis circled back and forced the jump ball. Yeah. Most guys just stand there and hang their head. Yeah, you're and, humiliated. Right. You know? I mean, all the times I've missed dunks, Bobby, yeah. in the open court, it's just so embarrassing. Yeah. No, I know. No, those, I've, I've those, never. Hold on. Are those breakfast tacos over there, Helen? God, I love breakfast tacos. <laughs> so good. Uh, just a nice hustle play, man. And well, and that dunk, by the way, or mm. the missed dunk, came off a steal. Yes. So uh, what do you know? But it was not like uh, I'm going to lunge at this pass that you're throwing to my man who would be wide open if I miss. I think he like crept up on KD as a lazy entry pass got there. I mean, right. it was like a, that was a timing play. Yeah, it was a great play. steal. Um, Laying yeah, in the so cut. he's been better. I think Dennis's role has kind of changed this season from we're going to give you the ball every time to bring it up to now 
if they miss a shot or get a turnover, Dennis is your first pass because he's like zooming up the floor. He's right. racing up the floor almost every time now. And they want to push his use his speed as a weapon. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And uh, sometimes that leads to there was one play last uh, against the Warriors where I think he he tried to take on like two or three guys and uh, got blocked or missed a, something, missed a layup, but like. He's a one-man fast break, and he's yeah. going to score more often than not. Don't let that missed dunk fool you. They missed like four dunks in that game. Yeah, it was wild. But yeah. Um, but yeah, he's getting to the paint more, and I think he's playing fewer minutes these last few games too. Um, but he's which, playing harder minutes, you know, which is more effective. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I'd rather play. I'd rather see him play twenty-six minutes, just going ape, than play thirty-two minutes and having to you know kind of pace himself a little it's bit. It's the Hubie Brown thing we were talking about twenty-two minutes ago, or however long ago it was in this podcast. Yeah. I'm gonna play ten guys. You're all gonna play twenty-four minutes. Play really hard. Go. Let's yeah. go win as a team. Yeah, and there's a difference between playing fast and playing hard. Now the yeah. best players can do both. Right. But I think a lot of last season and last season you got to kind of throw out the window for many reasons, but. Dennis was just playing fast all the time. Right. This season, especially during this winning streak, he's playing hard. Yeah. He's diving on the floor. He's uh, running the floor off a make or a miss. He's pushing the pace. He's driving to pass. He made that pass that he made to, uh, I think it was Harrison, mm -hmm. the other night against Utah was incredible. Yes. Where he turns the corner, jumps, and makes a pass blind behind his back. That how was did, how amazing. Did see that? It was amazing. It, it, it's also, man, it's like – it's. The you know we always talk about on time on target passing, when you're up in the air and you make a perfect pass where all Harrison has to do is get it in his shot pocket in one motion and release, that is man that's insane level of excellence. Yeah, yeah, and he can make tough plays now where he's kind of where you hope he develops a little more at least as of as of beginning of this year was can he make the easy plays mm -hmm. right? Sometimes it just takes him a little a little longer than it should to find the open man or whatever, but. Um, I think he's getting so much closer. And that Utah game was his 82nd game as a pro. Uh, yeah, I so saw he, you say that on Twitter or yeah. somewhere. So he basically just finished his rookie season. Yeah. And uh, so that Golden State game was the first game of his second year, basically, if you're, if you're counting by 82s. Good game. It, it was not bad. Yeah, it was not bad. So I want to talk a little about win probability. Okay. Um, basically, it means what you think it means. It's it's up to you. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Um Predictable stat, or like predicting stats and uh, probability, when probability added, all those things are just kind of, it's just like mathematical projections. It doesn't really mean much because you could have a 99% chance to win, you could still lose. Right. And 99% chance to lose, you still win. But um, it just kind of gives you an idea of what you're up against, right? So in that Warriors game, the Mavs trail 106-103 with three minutes left and Barnes misses a three-point shot. At the time that Urebko got that rebound, so Golden State has possession of the ball with 2.55 left in a game where they lead by three points. The Mavs had an 80% chance to lose. Okay. 80% chance to lose. And then they end up winning because they get a stop, right? And then uh, they come down. Harris actually – well, DeAndre made a shot, but Harris missed a three but got fouled and missed one of the free throws, I think. No one can make oh, a free throw in yes. that freaking God, game. Oh, yes. God, we missed so many ten, – missed ten free throws, I think, yeah. in that game. Yeah, they were 14 of 24 at one point. And then DeAndre hits two free throws to bring it to within 106-105. All of a sudden, you have a 66% chance to win. Golden State misses a couple more. But the first time uh, in the fourth quarter – Inside the so the Mavs took the lead ninety three ninety two on a Brea layup. Mm -hmm. That was the first time in the fourth quarter, and the first time 
in the entire second half, basically, that they had a better than 50% chance to win. Obviously, it went down to 80% chance to lose. But the first time that they actually had a chance to win the game was that Finney Smith layup in transition. Wow. That gave them a 55% chance to win. So, I mean, they were like – you're playing a lot of defensive possessions trailing late in the game, and that's not a good place to be. But they were yeah. able to pull it out. They were able to pull it out, which is – it's just really impressive. And get stops against great offensive players down the stretch. Yeah. Guys that have made big baskets on championship runs. Yeah, and they were doing it with Dennis, with Luca, with Finney Smith, and with Barnes all on the floor. Yeah. And Barnes is the oldest one of that group, and he's 26 years old. I uh, I really, really like the makeup of the young guys. I mean, I think I'm a – I mean, I don't know how many times I can say, hey, I love Dorian Finney-Smith, Dude, I can't he's, stop talking about him. He's like one of my favorite Mavs ever it's already. It's awesome. It is awesome, and I love that he sort of crept up on people. I love that Maxie's crept up on people. Um, and I think it speaks to the Mavericks' uh, infrastructure in terms of player development. We've talked about – Dwight ad nauseum, and I think you can go ahead and put Dorian in that category and Maxie in that category is guys that are getting better and developing. That's yeah, Mike Procopio, but it's also the great Tony Ronzoni yes. who found those guys. You find Maxi Kleba in Bayern Munich in Germany. That's that's a heck of a find. Yeah, really good uh, find. Yeah, so, and, I, you know, one thing last year, I don't really want to do the whole tanking bit, but last year, anytime the Mavs won, people were complaining because they were saying these wins are meaningless because by the time the Mavs are winning games again, none of the players on this roster will be here. I don't buy that crap. Yeah, no, I don't buy it at all because they're winning games now with all of the players that were on their team last year, right. except Luka. Right. And obviously, you don't get Luka last year if you win 40 games. You know, you had to win 24 in order to get him, which sucks. It's a steep price to pay um, at the time, in the moment. But in retrospect, it's not that bad at all. But when you got Barnes, who's 26, Dorian's 25, Dennis can't even drink yet, though he, he will by the next time we have a podcast, uh, Maxi 25, Dwight, 27. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys are still young. Yeah. Like, none, almost none of them are even in the prime of their career age-wise. Yeah. So you have a long way to go if you keep this core together. Uh, you got many, 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 many years of them playing. And I, you know, I think we were talking – I can't remember if we talked about this on the podcast yet or we were talking about it before. I'm just – feeling really good about how Harrison fits in with Luca and Dennis and I'll throw Dorian in there too, but obviously he's, you know, you don't go, okay, here's my elite guys I put together. Yeah. But I just, I, you know, I, not that I doubted Harrison, but I looked at it and I was like, man, he's not going to be loving this too much because they're about to take the ball out of his hands more than he, you know, he's been our leading scorer the last two years. He's already done this, you know, watch other guys have the ball routine in Golden State. And he's finding his uh, he's finding his areas to shine and be an offensive threat, and he's not forcing things. And it's not, oh, I haven't had a shot in a while, but hurry, give me the ball. I think it's just he's at that point in his career where he knows when and where to get his. And I'm looking at him going, he is a really, really good complement to Luca and Dennis and vice versa, they're a good compliment to him. Yep. So I feel really good about those three guys being – because he can opt out and leave if he wants to this summer. I don't want that to happen. I feel like he's a big part of this thing moving forward. I love it. Yeah, and he's still getting his shots too. Yes. I mean, he's averaging this year 13 shots a game, which might not seem like much, but compared to the rest of the players on the team, it is. I yeah. Mean, he's, he's Who's one leading of the, the team in shots, Luca? Uh, Dude – I don't know. Uh, let me let me pull it up. Who Live do you, do coverage. You, do you think if, it's Luca? Well, if I were to guess, I would. And I mean, I'm, for a we're while, per game, per for game. a while, it was Wes, but I think that's probably gone down. Um, Your answer is. 
final answer? Uh, give me. Uh, I'll take. I'll take. I'll take Luca. It is Luca okay. at fifteen. Barnes yep. is second at thirteen point four, and then Wes and Dennis both taking twelve a game. Remember, wasn't it like the first ten days? Like Wes was shooting the most shots. Yeah, but that's because Barnes was out, right? right? And it started to go back. Yeah, down. so Barnes is getting yeah. some of Wes's shots. Barnes is taking a little bit of Dennis shots and right. so on. But hey, that's fine. I mean, Barnes got off to a slow start. No one's going to lie to you about that. His first few games back were not very good. That Toronto game was really not very good. I think right. he was one for ten in the first quarter of that mm-hmm. game. I mean, that's pretty rough. But that was his first game back, right? His first game back, yeah. yeah. And, and and he missed, I mean, a month. He got hurt, like, in the second practice of training camp. Right. Didn't and, go to China. Yeah, did not go to China. And he, I mean, when you get hurt that early in camp, because I think it truly was the second day of practice, and mm-hmm. they had a very short camp. So you go through one day of official basketball activity, and then you miss a month, and you just missed basically five months of basketball before that because it was the off season. So his season started against Toronto, so, of course, it's going to take him a little while to play himself back into shape. So, I mean, his shooting numbers this year are, are not very good. It's 38% on the year. But you have to take it kind of like game segment by game segment. Like his first four games back, he was in the 20s. Next four games back, he was in the mid-40s. Mm-hmm. Averages out, high 30s, boom. So, you know, he, he's on the upward trend. Uh, one thing that he did against Golden State that was very promising to me was uh, I believe KD was guarding him. It might have been Clay, uh, but I'm pretty sure it was KD. He hit him with a step-back three. And Harrison was coming off, what, a hamstring? Mm-hmm. And uh, so you just don't really have your legs. Mm-hmm. You, you miss time and you have a leg injury. But to, to hit a step, to take a step back shot shows that he's feeling confident just in, right. in where he where he where he is physically he's he's looked as he's looked like a very confident offensive player no hesitation attacking taking the shots in rhythm he looks like he's there if we had said uh going into the year we was like hey uh dennis luca and harrison need to lead the need to lead this team in shot attempts field goal attempts that's what we would have said yeah and that's where it's starting to settle in yeah absolutely and he's starting to do a little more off the dribble too um he had one pass that was really nice that, un- unfortunately, I think it was a, a missed shot or it led to someone else. He didn't get an assist for it, basically, because either, either they missed or swung it to someone else. But he's had a couple really nice passes. Um, he's driving the ball very well. He's getting to the free throw line, which, I mean, a lot of the Mavericks are, let's be real. But, I mean, he is really getting to the free throw line uh, these last few games, which is good for him because that was kind of one of the knocks against him his first couple years here was that he just wasn't aggressive enough going toward the rim. Right. But that has not been an issue uh, this season since it's, he came uh, back. He, he, he's become way more comfortable with his handles, and that allows you to attack better and be more confident attacking mm-hmm. when you feel like you're controlling that ball. Yeah, so let's go last five games for him. He's shooting 41% on catch-and-shoot threes. Just last five games. He's shooting 41% on catch-and-shoot? Yeah, and last six. So since the winning streak started, he's 42.9%, and that's like top of the top. That's great. Basically. You're shooting 43% on catch-and-shoot threes. That is uh, – that is pretty automatic. Okay. Dennis is good. We agree. Luke is good. We agree. Barnes is good. We agree. Uh, today's Monday. Mavs are in Memphis tonight. Man. And then Wednesday, they come home to play the Brooklyn Nets. And Two if, teams that play hard as balls. Yeah, in your face for 48 minutes. Yeah. Um, if they win both of those, which that would make it a six-game winning streak, which is pretty pretty incredible. If they win both of those, they're 500. They're, they're above 500. They're 9-8. and eight. Yeah, If they win tonight, tonight they're 500. 500. If you beat Brooklyn, you're 9-8, and eight, and you got to win that game against Brooklyn. So tonight against Memphis, going to be tough. Memphis is 6-1 and one at home. Now, granted, they are on the second night of a back-to-back tonight. 
the Mavs are not. Memphis is 0-1 in Sega Babas this season. How do the Mavs win? How do you beat Memphis? They play rugged. They play slow. They junk it up. you got to pick up the pace. Yeah. you got to run them, especially on the second night of a back-to-back. And I say second night. Second, They played in an afternoon game. Oh, did they? Yeah, okay. I've watched. I'm the idiot that, oh, the Cowboys are over. Oh, I'm I guess gonna, they, they weren't going to put it up against the, the Vikings who were playing at night. Uh, yeah, that was the night game. So, uh, yeah, I, it was an after. I mean, it. I flipped over after the Cowboy game, and it was, uh, you know, midway through the first quarter. Okay. But um, so uh, you got you to gotta push the pace. You have to figure out a way to push the pace. After made shots, everything, you want to run those guys. They want to slow the game down, and Gasol and Conley yo-yo you to death. Um, I probably owe – I don't think Memphis is going to end up making the playoffs. I'm going to stick to that. And I know you're going, wait, aren't they in first place? How, are they in first place in the con- – well, Golden State's in first place in the conference. Uh, yeah, so Portland and Golden State are tied. Memphis is a half game behind them. Okay. But it's so bunched up. Memphis has three games out of 13th. Yeah. So, I mean, it's you – know, every, every team right now has a shot to make the playoffs except probably Phoenix. They're probably the only team that you're going, eh, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, and which sucks, sucks. Win that game on opening night. But and the Atlanta is, game. But I will it's say – It's a totally if, different look. Yeah, but if you don't lose to Phoenix, if you don't lose to Atlanta, if you don't lose to the Knicks, then you might not beat the Warriors and the Jazz. Right. You know, it's like one of those things where it, once you hit rock bottom, right. all of a sudden you start buying it. Right. You know? that's, a, that's a great point. These, this thing is uh, – this thing builds off of itself. Yeah. So, um, so, anyways, we were doing a podcast for the year started, and I was kind of goofing on Memphis as we were talking about possibilities for teams. Like, man, who is going to score on that team? And I probably didn't give Garrett Temple enough credit. He's been scoring for them. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, they can use their system, their advantage when you have a point guard that good. But clearly, in the modern NBA, they're not trying to score a whole ton of points, if you look at things. They're trying to impose their will on you. Uh, and that's what they're going to try to do. So the Mavericks have to take their will from them and push the tempo. That's how you're going to beat Memphis, especially second day game you know second game in two days yeah so one of the Mavs issue all season now it hasn't been in the month of November they're actually number one in three-point opponent three-point percentage but uh Memphis can shoot the ball so Conley's 31 percent Jaron Jackson Jr. is 25 percent which both of those are shockingly low both of those players are way better than that mm-hmm. but Marcus all 44 percent is he shooting a bunch of those he's shooting four and a half per game is that right four and a half per game that's and, a and problem De- that's a problem because DeAndre is not the guy that's going to step out on the perimeter he does not want to you know? go out there yeah it's yeah. a great point yeah and it's tough and so what they've done in so against Minnesota uh, in the home opener they put Dorian on uh Carl Anthony that's Towns. Right. they put uh, DeAndre on Taj Gibson but yep. Memphis doesn't have I mean if it's Jackson out there you know or what, if it's to Michael Green, they're they're all spotting up. You know? I, well, you know, golly, that's tough. It's <laughs> Gasol is way craftier than Carl Anthony Towns. I don't think Dorian can cover yeah, Gasol. As soon as he does, it's all right, stop what we're doing. I'm going down on the block and I'm right. scoring on him. Whereas Carl Anthony Towns is like, Yeah, I'm gonna see if I can do a step back floater. You yeah. know, it's like that's not the way Gasol plays. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's, I that's think a you got a tough test. Yeah, DeAndre's gotta gotta get out there. Yeah, you have to, but then if you do, then it it puts pressure on everybody else. Now I will say Conley coming back from a pretty significant injury so i and i have not watched memphis play this year so i don't know how he's moving but if your solution is did he yeah Yeah. if your solution is to have deandre step out on gasol that means that the the lane's wide open so Mm -hmm. if you're dennis you got to stay in front of conley um now i will say garrett temple not the most potent rim driver uh he can shoot he's 41 percent on threes but he's not really attacking the rack uh jaron jackson's not doing much off the bounce Jamichael Green, Marshawn Brooks, Dylan Brooks, Wayne Selden. I mean, these are these are guys who can shoot and they can pull up, 
but they're not driving. Mm-hmm. So you got to stay in front of your man, contain them, hopefully force them into some mid-range shots, and just get out on Gasol because Gasol has had some huge games against the Mavs. He's a great player. He's had some huge games against everybody. Do you know what he did this past summer? Uh, I do not. So I saw this because they ran a piece during the Minnesota Grizzly game I was watching, and I forget the name of the charitable organization. But he was involved, and he did it undercover. Like, he didn't, want, he didn't publicize it, didn't want people to know it. And then when he saw what was going on, he's like, I got to use my platform for this. He was part of a crew of people that got on rafts and went out into the Mediterranean and saved people because there's a lot of refugees that are living, leaving Libya and places like this, and they go out on the Mediterranean Sea where it's very unsafe, and they go on these little rafts to try to escape and seek you know, asylum elsewhere, and these rafts capsize and people die. Wow. And it's a horrible, horrible thing. And they had pictures of him saving a lady's life, pulling her out of the water. But he also pulled bodies of dead people out of the water, including little kids. Oh, man. So, so that's what that guy did with his summer, okay? He's, he's, not, uh, he's not in videos. He's not, you know, posting great pictures. Look at this baller-ass car I got. Yeah. And his, uh, do you know the Gasols, what their mother did? Uh, I she's like I, I'm probably getting this wrong. I know Powell is like the biggest sweetheart of all time. Yeah, too. I, I mean. think she's a heart surgeon. He wrote this amazing piece for the Players Tribune about Becky Hammond. When everyone's like, "Oh my God, Becky Hammond is getting job interviews for the Bucks," and Powell Gasol wrote this piece like, "Yeah, like in our household, my mother was a heart surgeon, so we don't look at women as oh she's doing this. We look at it as everybody goes to the." you know, pushes themselves to the best of their abilities. And yep. It has nothing to do with gender. So they've already been raised with this, the right way of living and a very good global view. But I was just so impressed when I saw this piece. Dude, that's I mean, this awesome. is a big seven-foot man on a raft pulling people out of the water to save yeah, their lives. That's incredible. Who is he? I mean, who is he going? Is it like a charity? Is there something? I, there's, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm blanking on the name of the charity. But uh, it, it's an organization that specifically goes out to try to save these refugees because wow. they're drowning in the Mediterranean Dude, Sea. That is amazing. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's very sad that that is happening in the world. I mean, that's horrible. But yeah, that but he's, people, he's out there helping those people that's amazing i think we insulate ourselves from all the terribleness out there in the world yeah there's a lot of it yeah and uh for people that have things to go do things like that it should be very inspiring to a lot of people. yeah absolutely mark and pow both man those guys are two of the two of the best people that you'll find they're good ass dudes yeah yeah absolutely and luca by the way pretty tight with those guys yes hopefully between those two and Dirk and some of the other, you know, good people in his life, hopefully they can sort of steer him along that path as well. But I feel we'll good about it. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, so you're pushing the pace against the Grizzlies tonight on offense. You're making them work on defense. You're trying to run them off the line. You're trying to And the Mavericks have hope done, that Mark misses some shots. Dorian was talking about that after the game. So we did a, uh, a Luca on-court interview, and then we did a Dorian interview in the locker room, and he was talking about a more concerted effort to not only run guys off the three-point line, but then be tethered together so the next guy helps out, and then you rotate properly. Yeah, you're playing on a string. And we've talked about the last six games. They've, they've shown it. Yeah, now they have done a really good job, I will say, on uh, like trapping Mitchell off screens. They blitzed KD a couple times. So they're getting really good at sort of, uh, I guess, forcing the issue on defense, being mm-hmm. the aggressor. Instead of sitting back, letting the pick and roll come to them, they're going out and meeting these guys 35 right. feet away from the rim and then scrambling to recover. Right. They've done a really good job of that. It's going to be tough against Memphis because they got shooters all over the place, which surprises me. I'm kind of with you. I did not think they had enough shooting and scoring to, to I win think games, it, I think it may come back and 
I it mean, might, it might, but I mean, you look at their percentages and like Gasol might not shoot forty four percent all year, but Conley's not going to shoot thirty one percent. I right. mean, they're gonna it, it might level out, but uh, yeah, I mean, in today's NBA where everyone's scoring three thousand points per night, for Memphis to allow a hundred is pretty rare. Right. So we'll see if they can keep that up. The Mavs have scored a hundred in every single game this season, so uh, we'll see. Something's got to give, right? Something's got to give. Great but I'd, l- I'd great love defense. to get two more dubs going into Turkey Day. Oh my gosh, it would be so nice. And then you got Boston coming in town, and they're not playing good. They're not. They're struggling, well. man. Yeah, yeah. Well, or yeah, they're not playing well, or and they're not playing good. They're not they're playing not good or they're well. They're not doing good. They're not. They're, <laughs> they're not, not doing the good basketball. Yeah, they're not doing good while they're on the floor. Um, so who knows? And and Mavs Celtics games are pretty hotly contested. Yeah. I gotta say, they God, Kyrie came in here dancing last year. Yeah, no matter what the records are. I mean, whenever both these teams are really good, those are some classics. Yeah. Uh, and then Boston went through a couple rough years, while the Mavs were still pretty good, and those games were still crazy. There was one year where the Mavs were up like twenty five. Boston came back and almost won the game. Yes. And uh, after the game, it was Rick was kind of treating it like it was a loss. <laughs> uh, so who knows what's going to happen? That could be a wild game. I mean, this is a big week for the Mavs. You beat the Jazz. You beat the Warriors. The Grizzlies are tough. Brooklyn is like trap game, all trap game written all over it. Uh, and they, they, have, they have beaten the Mavs every year in Dallas. I think since 2013. So. And and but they, you know, you say trap game, and I understand what you're saying because if you look at their roster and, and stuff. But man, teams that play hard, you I don't care. How, you have to match the effort of the other team, and if you don't, the the margin of difference athletically in these guys is minimal in the NBA. Now, obviously, there's an upper level of eliteness. But if, like, a guy is supposedly better than another guy, but that other guy plays harder than him, nine times out of ten, the guy that plays harder is going to make it hard on you, and he's, he's got a good chance of beating you. Why do you think J.J. Barea has an NBA career? Exactly. I mean, it's, he's, he, not, he's not Physically, you look at him, and he's not supposed to work out, but the dude goes hard, he's smart, and he's worked. Yeah, and now we did talk about Karis LeVert's injury on the last podcast, but actually the, the, the prognosis, the, the outlook for his recovery is much better than no we No surgery, right? I initially thought, yeah, no surgery at all. It was just dislocation, which is still horrible, but, man, it did not look good when it no. happened. So that's, that's great news for him. Uh, obviously, he will not be playing in that game, but a bunch of other guys will, man. And Brooklyn is so, so well coached. Kenny Atkinson's doing a really good job there. Yep. So that's going to be a tough game. I mean, but it's it's three games that I think you look at the Mavs and, you know, two weeks ago they're 2-7 and seven and you're thinking, man, this is going to be another one of those years. But now these next three games, I'm thinking they could or should win all of them. Here comes you know? the momentum. Yeah. So uh, hopefully they can keep this thing going. Uh, hopefully you guys have a happy Thanksgiving. Skin, is there anything you want to uh, say, one one last take you want to fire off before we get out of here? Yeah, you know what? I just recommend to everybody on Thanksgiving, enjoy some food, maybe a a nice beverage, maybe some brown liquor or some delicious craft <laughs> beer. But i got to say, can I, can I interrupt you yeah, real quick? Of course. Uh, I think I'm washed, man. Have you drank too much? No, no, I just can't. Whiskey just – I. Two of them, and I'm like hungover all day. Really? Yeah, it's. Oh, I'm key, like, you, well, you got to hydrate. So drink. Well, I'm water drinking before. with water. Yeah, oh, I mean, really? I'm doing it with. I'm doing the, everything correctly. Well, maybe you're just not down for the brown. That's maybe okay. Maybe I'm not. But that's, okay. that's been my drink forever. Yeah, forever. I'm a. Uh, I love. I love bourbon. I love scotch. Oh, scotchy, <laughs> scotch, scotch. Um, this is scotch weather too, by the way. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Is, but let me just arc- say, you're going to be with family, you know, and sometimes it's people you don't see all the time. Is you enjoy a delicious adult beverage, just do yourself a favor and don't bring up politics. Don't just do just it. don't do it. I fall into that trap all the time. I am policing myself to not do it. So I recommend to all of you, 
enjoy your adult beverage and talk sports. I really think so. Every year, you know, my family's not a very uh, political conversation, hot take family, uh-huh. but it still always happens somehow. I, th- I think Thanksgiving is just like a magnet for bad opinions. Right. And um, so the conversation always devolves into it. That's the only day of the year, not Easter, Mother's Day, Christmas, nothing. Right. It is Thanksgiving. Yeah. So I think this year my new strategy, instead of just leaving the room, whenever it comes up, is to just start going, Ehh! You know what you should do? Just fart. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing that there's nothing that says I'm going to clear out the room faster than a real aggressive loud fart. I think <laughs> is less offensive, <laughs> right? But, uh, but your your plan might be a little more effective. There's a, there's a classic old. Uh, I'm going to date myself. I don't care. I used to love Steve Martin stand up when I was a kid. Just loved it. He was so funny. But he had a classic bit where he was like, someone will say in a different area you could smoke on airplanes and in public and in restaurants and stuff. He was like, you know, anytime someone says to me, do you mind if I smoke? I say, no. Do you mind if I fart? <laughs> that always stayed with me. That it was Just so do money. it, man. Do it. That's, a, that's a good way to shut the conversation down. Absolutely. And to make them leave, yeah. even. Depending like, oh, my on God. The, this guy's inviting us inside on how much his colon. This had. is horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's awful. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, hopefully talk about some Mavs basketball. Yes. And you'll have the Cowboys on. Yes. Uh, you'll have a whole day to recover after Thanksgiving before you get ready for Saturday's game yeah. against the Celtics. And uh, Skin, by the way, mm-hmm. we made it through an hour of podcasting, and we haven't even mentioned that Dirk is practicing. Ah. So the return seems nigh. He, when, when, we, when we had him on the broadcast a Saturday and a half ago or whatever that was, his attitude and energy was a clear indicator to me, Harp, and Followell that the comeback was happening sooner rather than later. Yeah. And it I mean, felt I, that way. I don't want to speak for the team or anything. Right. This is purely my own guessing, but – I've had that Boston game circled on the calendar for a while. Really? And uh, maybe Ooh, it happens. That he would practiced, be awesome. He practiced fully on Friday. That I mean, would be so awesome. he's he's starting to get ramped up. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, whenever he comes back, hopefully it is. Hopefully it's Saturday. Crap. Hopefully it's sooner. Mm-hmm. But whenever he does come back, minutes limit. Take it slow. Yes. Come in. Take a couple threes. All right. All right. Get get some rest on the bench. But we'll- dude, it is. It's happening. How many minutes, what percentage of his minutes will be played with J.J.? Uh, man, probably 100%, right? <laughs> I was going to say 85 I, to 90. I need some Luka Dirk action. Yeah. I, I need, some, oh, I need yeah. those two guys playing together. I'm with you. I think so it'd be whatever, what I, maybe Dirk starts his first game, plays with Luka, hits a couple threes to, to bolster Luka's assist numbers, and then sits down. But those guys got to play together. But, yeah, the legend, the GOAT, is coming back soon. And, dude, I am so excited for Let's it. Let's do this. Yep. All right. It is numbers on the boards. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving week. Happy Black Friday. Happy all the other holidays that happen around this time Hanukkah's of year. is coming up here in a couple weeks. Yeah, happy that, too. Uh, we will see you guys next Wednesday. Hopefully the winning streak will continue. And if not, then uh, hopefully they start another one soon. But regardless, we will be back with you one week from uh, Wednesday. We'll see you then. It is numbers on the boards.